continuing the series of awe, and today we're looking at a familiar passage, probably to some of you, if not all of you, about the burning bush, the burning bush. We'll go to Exodus 3 here in just a few moments if you want to get ready to go there. Uh, We're going to look at Exodus 3. But we're going to see here the Scripture, as, as we have looked in the Scripture in the past, and as we read through the Scripture, we see the Scripture reveals, all through Scripture, the one true living God. And we stand in awe of who He is and what He has done. Amen? We've looked at that past couple of weeks of His creation, how He is the creator of the heavens and of the earth, and then last week, how He is the a creator of humanity, and humanity is God's crowning creation. And so today we're going to look at, uh, the, from the book of Exodus, we're going to see how Moses here is called by God to a task. Now, as he is called, God calls Moses. He doesn't use a text. He doesn't use an email, and he doesn't use a cell phone. Rather, God does something rather unique. He uses a burning bush. And in that burning bush, it reveals to Moses some things about God through that burning bush as well. So we want to see what that is. We want to see what is it that that God has revealed to Moses in the midst of this burning bush. And then we want to walk away from the service today truly on fire for the Lord Jesus Christ ourselves. Amen. Y'all happy to be here today? Amen. All right, just making sure. That's great. Well, in honor and reverence to the Word of God, we're going to look at Exodus chapter 3. I'm going to read that for you, but I'd love for you to stand in honor and reverence to the Word of God this morning. Exodus 3, starting at verses 1, going through verse 22, the whole chapter. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the back of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire from the midst of a bush. And so he looked, and behold, the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. Then Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the the bush does not burn. So when the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, Here I am. And then he said, Do not draw near this place. Take your sandals off your feet, for the place where you stand is holy ground. Moreover, he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt, and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. So I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians, and to bring them up from that land to a good and large land, to a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites. Now, therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel has come to me, and I have also seen the oppression for which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come now, therefore, and I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? And so he said, I will certainly be with you, and this shall be a sign to you that I have sent you. When you brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. And then Moses said to God, Indeed, when I come to the children of Israel and say to them, The God of our fathers has sent me to you, and they say to me, What is his name? Then what shall I say to them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. 
And he said, Thus you shall say to the children of Israel, I am has sent me to you. Moreover, God said to Moses, Thus you shall say to the children of Israel, The Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and this is my memorial to all generations. Go and gather the elders of Israel together and say to them, The Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, of Isaac, and of Jacob, appeared to me, saying that I have surely visited you and seen what's done to you in Egypt. And I have said, I will bring you up out of the affliction of Egypt to the land of the Canaanites and the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites, to a land flowing with milk and honey. And then they will heed your voice, and you shall come, you and the elders of Israel, to the king of Egypt, and you shall say to him, The Lord God of the Hebrews has met with us, and now please let us go three days' journey into the wilderness, that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God. But I am sure that the king of Egypt will not let you go, no, not even by a mighty hand. So I will stretch out my hand and strike Egypt with all my wonders, which I will do in its midst, and after that he will let you go. And I will give this people favor in the sight of the Egyptians, and it shall be that when you go, they, that you shall not go empty-handed. But every woman shall ask of her neighbor, namely of her who dwells near her house, articles of silver, articles of gold and clothing, and you shall put them on your sons and on your daughters, and so you shall plunder the Egyptians. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the reading of your word. We thank you, Lord, that your word is true, that we can rely upon it and know, Father, that it speaks to our hearts, that it is your love letter to us, and there's much here that we are to learn as your children. And, Father, as you draw us to yourself. We pray, Lord, today that we would continually stand in awe of you. And, Lord, as you have revealed yourself to Moses in the burning bush, as we see in this passage, Lord, may you reveal yourself to us today as well. We pray, Father, we'll walk away from here having a greater understanding more of who you are. We pray, Lord, that you would speak to us, empower us, guide us, and direct us. Lord, we pray that uh, if there are those, again, we pray for those who maybe who don't know you as Lord and Savior, that this would be the hour of salvation, that you'd break down every barrier, that you'd pull down every stronghold, that you'd pierce through every darkness by your power. We pray for those of us who do know you, Lord, that you'd work in our hearts, our Lord, to draw us to the place to be more in love with you and be more in awe of you as well. Lord, we pray now that the words of my mouth, meditation of my heart, would be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Well, the outline, a lot of lines on a piece of paper there in your bulletin. Take a look at those as we get ready to, to look at today's message here. But as we get ready to dive into this passage of Scripture, we want to have a little bit of uh, background on Moses. <clears throat> Just a little bit of background on Moses here. As you know, he was born at a time in Egypt when the Hebrew children, the Israelites, had, had multiplied greatly. Uh, as you remember, Joseph had been there and uh, had, was the second in command. We talked about that a little bit, uh, a time or two. Uh, but also we see that uh, through the years that the, the Israelites, the Hebrew children, had multiplied greatly in the, in the place called Egypt. And Pharaoh, because they had gotten to be so numerous, had told the midwives that they needed to kill the sons of the Hebrews, the Hebrew sons, uh, when they were born, that when they were born to let them die or to kill them. But what happened was that the midwives feared God, and they did not do that. And so because they did not do that, then the Israelites continued to grow in number then in Egypt. And as time went on, the Pharaoh catches on to what's happening here, and he decides to throw, that he wants to have the, the Hebrew baby boys thrown into the river. Well, it's in this environment and in this uh, type of setting 
that baby Moses enters into the scene. And his parents eventually place him in a basket in reeds by a riverbank. And lo and behold, Pharaoh's daughter comes and she finds baby Moses in this basket. She has compassion on him. And unknowingly, as she wants to take care of this baby, she sends for a nurse to, to nurse Moses. And unknowingly to her, it is Moses' own mother to take care of him. And Pharaoh's daughter then claims Moses as his own, raises him up, and he is raised in Pharaoh's court. Now, as Moses gets older, he obviously realizes that he is a Hebrew. He, he realizes that he is an Israelite. And as he gets older, he sees the oppression of his people, the Hebrew children, that is taking place by the Egyptians. And around 40 years of age, when he is out and about one day, he sees an Egyptian beating one of his Hebrew brothers. And so the Bible tells us that he looks this way, and then he looks that way, and then he kills that Egyptian and hides him in the sand. Well, he thinks all is good and well, but the next day he finds out, that he's been found out. And as he's been found out, he flees for his own life. He had taken matters into his own hands, and he failed miserably. So what happens is he ends up in a place called Midian. He met a girl, and he stayed there herding sheep, being a sheep herder for 40 years. He was a fugitive. He was a murderer, and he felt like he was a failure. But then... Everything changed. Everything changed one day. Moses experiences God at a burning bush. And God reveals himself to Moses. So what does he reveal? Well, let's go to our outline. The first thing that God reveals is that God knows. God knows. Well, what does God know? Well, the first thing that we see here that God knows is God knows where you are. God knows where you are. And we look at verses 1 and 2 here again in chapter 3. It says that Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the back of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire from the midst of a bush. It tells us here that Moses went to the back of the desert. Now, we don't really know what that looks like. Chances are there's a place he wanted to get his sheep to. Maybe he felt like there was some better pasture back there. Maybe he felt like that there was a a pond or some kind of water source back there he needed to get them to. Chances are he wove through some trails and and got to this place that is at the back of the desert here. uh, 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 Came to the mountain of Horeb, the mountain of God. But the, the thing that we need to understand here as we look at this passage of Scripture is that God knows where you are. So God knew exactly where Moses was. He knew that literally. He literally knew where Moses was. He knew where he was here at, the, at Horeb. He knew that he'd been on the backside of the wilderness, the backside of this desert. He knew where he would be that day. God, who knows all things, knew exactly the, tra- the trail that Moses would take. We knew what time he would appear, and he knew literally where Moses was. But not only did God know where Moses was literally, but God also knew where Moses was figuratively. He knew that Moses was a fugitive for 40 years from Egypt. He knew that Moses felt like indeed was a failure in his own eyes. He also knew that this Moses had been awfully arrogant, thinking that he could fix the problems of his people on his own. 
but for 40 years in the wilderness now, and now God appears to 80-year-old Moses. So Moses is now 80 years old. But here's the thing we need to understand, friends, that during those 40 years, God had not lost track of Moses. All through those 40 years, God knew exactly where God was, where Moses was. God had not lost track of Moses. And friends, you need to understand something this morning. No matter where you are, God has not lost track of you either. Amen? God knows exactly where you are. He knows your journey that got you to this place where you are today. He knows exactly what it takes for you to get to church this morning. He knew everything. He knows everything about you. He knows where you are literally that you're right here, but also to also figuratively, he knows where you are as well in your walk with him. You see, friends, whether you are a faithful follower or whether you are a wilderness wanderer, you need to understand something this morning. You cannot hide from God. You cannot hide from him, and he knows where you are. Now, that can be exciting, and that can be scary. Amen? He knows where you are. In Psalm 139, verse 7, we looked at Psalm 139 a good bit last week. We'll just pick this verse up again today. Psalm 139, 7 says, Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? You see, friends, God knows where you are. And here he reveals this here to Moses, as we'll see here in just a moment, that he knows where he is. Whether, and so whether you are trying to hide from him or if you're wondering, does he even care about me? One of the things that we need to understand about God as he reveals himself to Moses in the burning bush is that God knows, God knows where you are. Amen. Well, we stand in awe of that, don't we? That he knows where we are. But secondly, the, the second part of that, not only does God know where you are, God knows who you are. He knows who you are. Let's look at verse 3 and verse 4 again. It tells us here, Then Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, what the bush, why the bush does not burn. I suspect we'd be doing the same thing, wouldn't we? If this bush is burning back on the backside desert and we get there and all of a sudden we see this bush at a distance and we think, okay, I need to find out what's going on here. I want to turn and see what's happening here. And so it tells us here, so when the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Hey, you. Is that what it says? No. He says, Moses. Moses. He knows his name. Now, chances are, Moses likely didn't want anyone to really know who he was because, well, why is that? It's, well, it's because Moses had a past. He had a past. He just wanted to disappear into obscurity. He just wanted to herd the sheep for these. He's been there 40 years. Just, I want to be anonymous. But God knows who he is. And he calls out to him, Moses, Moses. And, of course, Moses replies to God, here I am. But then we see a conversation ensues, and a little bit later, God issues that call to Moses to the task that God wants him to do, which is to come and to bring my people out of Egypt, to go to Pharaoh and bring my people out of Egypt. And we find that Moses then asks a question in verse 11 and says, who am I? Who am I? But, friends, here's the thing. God knows who he is. 
Moses is asking, who am I that I'm going to go to Pharaoh? But God knows exactly who he is. God knows everything there is to know about Moses. And friends, God knows everything there is to know about us as well. He knows us all. And so for Moses here, as he calls out to him, and he calls him to this task of which he's about to fulfill, that God is warning him to do, God knows that he is, you see, as God knows Moses, the Lord is not looking for someone with an impeccable resume. That's not what he's looking for here, but rather what he's looking for as he is finding in Moses, he's looking for someone who is humble, who is available, and who is usable. Now, 40 years ago, that was not Moses, but 40 years have passed. As a matter of fact, I would say that it was 40 years of humility training, wouldn't you? Amen. Being a a sheep herder in the desert or in the wilderness, that's humility training. And now God is ready to use this man, Moses. You see, friends, listen. God had not lost Moses all those years. He knew who he, was, who he is and where he was. During those 40 years, what was God doing in the midst of that? Was he off somewhere? No. God was working in the life of Moses. Moses may not have realized that, but God was working. He was breaking off the rough edges of his pride. He was sanding down the burrs of his arrogance. He was breaking off the sharp points of his self-dependency. And so the Lord was shaping Moses and working in his life, even though he may not have realized it. And friends, what we need to understand in our lives as well, when we're not sure where God is and we're not sure you know, if he's around, we need to understand that he knows exactly where we are. He knows who we are, and he's working in our lives as well. And he's doing these things in your life as well. He is constantly shaping us and molding us. Indeed, breaking off those rough edges of our life that need to be broken off. Those burrs of arrogance. Those sharp points of self-dependence. You see, maybe you feel like you're here today and maybe you feel like you're in that wilderness. You don't care that anybody knows who you are. Maybe you're here and you're like Moses that you too have a past. Maybe you're like Moses, you just want to get through life. Just let me be anonymous. But friend, what you need to understand this morning is that God knows where you are. And God knows who you are. And he has not lost track of you, nor has he forgotten your name. And we stand in awe of that. We stand in awe of a God who knows us intimately, knows where we are. Literally, figuratively. But not all that, God knows where you are. God knows who you are. But also, third sub-point here, we see that God knows what is happening. God knows what is happening. Look at verse 7. Verse 7, as God is speaking, the Lord is speaking here to Moses. We see that he says, I have surely, now watch the key words here. I have surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt. And I have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. For I know their sorrows. Did you catch all of that? You see, God knows what is happening here to his people in the lives of his people. He, he sees their plight. He hears their cries. He knows their pain. And he is very aware of their bondage. 
This is not something that he's just now coming around to. He is hearing it. He has heard it. He has seen it. He knows. He's very much aware. He knows what is happening. Friends, we need to understand that that's the God in which we serve today. We do not serve a God that goes and takes a 23-hour catnap every day. This is not a God who goes off and, and says, I'll get back to those guys later. God knows what is happening in your life every second, every millisecond of your life, every single day. He knows what's happening. Just as he knew what was happening in the life of his children then, he knows what's happening today, still today. We, we wonder sometimes, but friends, we can rest assured in knowing as God revealed himself to Moses in the burning bush that he knows what is happening. He knows when that, that Christian who is being martyred, he knows those things we may not understand, he knows what is happening. He knows the pink slip that's about to be given. He knows that diagnosis that has just been received. He knows the struggle of that single parent. He knows the strife that's in the home. He knows the addiction that has you in bondage. He knows the secret sin in your life. Friends, understand that there is nothing that is hidden from him, and he knows what is happening. Oh, the awe of God at the burning bush that Moses found out that the Lord knows. The Lord knows where you are. The Lord knows who you are. And the Lord knows exactly what's happening. Nothing's hidden from him. Amen? He knows. Secondly, we see here, not only does God know, but God shows. God shows something here. Now, as we read the story of Moses, most of us have seen Charlton Heston. Amen? We've seen the Ten Commandments. We know the story. We know how this is. Even if you have not read it, if you've seen the movie, you know how this supposedly happens, right? According to Hollywood, anyway, from way back when. But as we read the story, we have to understand that as we're following what's happening in the life of Moses, Moses has not seen the end of the movie right? He hears from God. He hears this call, but he does not know what is going to happen next. He hears from God. He sees the bush burning. He knows God is calling him to a task, but he does not know what is going to happen next. God's calling him to this task. He does not know what's around the corner. And friends, listen, neither do we. We don't know what's around the corner when God calls us, when the Lord leads us, when he nudges us in a certain direction. We have no clue what's around the corner. So then as the Lord reveals to Moses who he is now in this burning bush, what is he revealing to Moses that will help him with what is going to happen next? Well, let's see a couple of things here. God shows, first off, his holiness. His holiness. Look at verse 5. God has just called out to Moses, Moses, Moses says, here I am. And then the Lord says, do not draw near this place. Take your sandals off your feet, for the place where you stand is holy ground. Holy ground. We sang about that just a moment. We're standing on holy ground. The ground is holy. The area in which he is in is holy. And why is it holy? It's not anything wonderful about the ground itself except that it is where holy God is present. That's what makes it holy. The word holy itself means separate. It means 
powerful and unique, and it even means dangerous. The fire here that's in this burning bush, this inextinguishable fire, is a symbol of the awesome presence of holy God. Amen. I mean, it's just amazing. You have to wonder that if later on when Moses was writing in the book of Deuteronomy, if this sight of the burning bush didn't come to his mind as he was led to write in Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 24, for the Lord your God is a consuming fire, a jealous God. The holiness of God. So holy that the Lord calls out to Moses in verse 5, and he says, do not draw near this place. In other words, he's saying, don't come any closer. Don't come any closer, Moses, because there was to be this separation between him and Moses because God is holy and Moses is not. He needs to stay right where he is, indeed, and take off his sandals. You know, even in the culture, that culture today, removing your shoes was a sign of respect. Moses knew that this where he was now is dangerous territory because this is the presence of of God who is holy. This awesome, powerful, holy God is the one who is calling Moses out, who is leading him to this task. And Moses now recognizes God's holiness. And what does he do? He bows before him, afraid to look at his face, as it tells us there in verse 6. Moses knows what God is showing him in the burning bush, that he is holy God, awesome and powerful. And because he is holy, Moses cannot stand in his presence and he cannot come closer. Friends, you know, this is a something about the Lord that we need to be reminded as well. When we are not sure what's going to happen next, we need to understand that if God is calling us, our God is holy God. We need to be reminded of the holiness of God. That he is awesome and powerful. And because of who he is as holy God, we bow to him. We're not to rebel against him. We're not to say no to him. We're not to be disobedient to him. Why? Because he is holy God. And because of God's holiness, Moses cannot come any closer. And neither can we either. Because we're sinners as he is holy. You see, friends, we can't come into the presence of holy God or draw near to him unless... We are holy ourselves. We can't come into the presence of holy God unless we are also holy as he is holy. And that's why God sent his son Jesus to be our savior because Jesus is our holiness. In Colossians 1 verse 21 and 22 says, And you who once were alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now he has reconciled in the body of his flesh through death. To present you, this is Jesus, present you holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight. When we know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, we are made holy in the presence of God. We have his holiness. God shows us in this passage scripture as he reveals himself to Moses in the burning bush of his holiness. But second Subpoint here we see is God shows not only his holiness, but God also shows his grace. You see, even as he is holy and he is awesome and he is dangerous, he is also a God of grace who loves us and desires for us to be in a relationship with him. The God of grace. 
Moses is reminded here as God has revealed himself to him of his grace in verse 6, the first part of verse 6. Moreover, he said, the Lord said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Now, what in the world does that tell us about the grace of God? As he says, I'm the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. How does that point to the grace of God? Well, I'll tell you how that points to the grace of God. It's because it shows us here that God uses broken vessels. You see, friends, Abraham and Isaac and Jacob were not perfect by any measure. These guys were liars, they were tricksters, they were schemers, they were dreamers. But nevertheless, by His grace, God entered into a personal relationship with them and He used these men as broken vessels for His glory. And understand that as Moses hears that, he also realizes that he himself is a broken vessel too. And it literally haunted him and probably felt like so many today that God has no use for him because of his past, because of what he did 40 years ago back in Egypt. And that people know him and he's been found out and he can't go back and that he's useless. As a matter of fact, friends, there are people that still hear those kinds of things in their own hearts today as well, don't they? Maybe you've been there where you've had some... some small voice, or maybe it's a loud boom in your heart that says to you, you know what? You have failed. You know what? You are worthless. You know what? You, you just can't do that. You know what? You will never amount to anything, or you've messed up, and it's over. My friends, I've got some good news for you today. If you've heard that, it's a lie. It's a lie because God, our God, the one true living God, is a God of grace. He's a God who uses broken vessels. He's a God of second chances. Amen. Aren't you thankful for that? We stand in awe that God takes people just like us who are broken vessels, who need to be fixed. He fixes us and uses us for his glory. He takes what's broken and uses us for his purpose and his glory. Why does he use people like that, like that for, for his glory? It's so that we won't seek the glory for ourselves, but rather we will point to the one who's done this through us. God shows his holiness. and God shows his grace. And then third little sub-point is God shows his compassion. God shows his compassion. It tells us in verse 8, if you'll notice here, he says, So I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up from that land to a good and large land, to a land that's flowing with milk and honey. Here what we find is that here is a God who is the one true living God, who is a holy God, who is a gracious God, but who is also a compassionate God, as he says that he is the God who stoops down to save. He comes down to deliver them. Here he is in the form of a burning bush speaking to Moses. He is here. Some would say that this angel of the Lord in this burning bush is a Christophany, that it is the Lord Jesus, I believe that it is, before Jesus was born of the flesh. God who is an unbreakable, we see the compassion here, that God who, is, who has an unbreakable love for his people, who comes to deliver them from bondage to the promised land. 
What compassion, friends, of our great God who sees what is happening and is willing to reach out to them and to stoop down in order to deliver them from the bondage in which they were in and bring them to the promised land. But isn't that exactly what Jesus has done for us? And that he has stooped down, God has stooped down to save us. God in the flesh came to deliver us from the bondage of our sins, sins penalty and sin's power, and he has redeemed us and he's delivered us from that, but delivered us to eternal life now and forever. God shows his holiness, his grace, his compassion, but also he shows his ability to Moses here as well. If you go back to verse 2, again, the latter part of that, it tells us after, it tells, it tells us there that the angel Lord appeared to him in the flame of fire from the midst of a bush. It says, so he looked, and behold, the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. You see, God is doing here what only God can do. This bush, this bush is a, the word there for that bush is a thorn bush, a briar bush, a prickly tumbleweed, if you will, that type of bush. And as he looks at this bush, this bush is on fire and it is inextinguishable. It doesn't, it's not just on fire and poof, it's gone. It continues to burn. Friends, as you, we can't even begin to imagine what that is, but we think, you know, that is just remarkable. How, how can a dried up, prickly old briar bush burn and not burn up? How can that happen? Well, there's an answer for that. God. God is able. What can God do? He can do anything. Nothing is impossible with God. Amen? We see his ability here. And you see, friends, listen. It wasn't the bush that was remarkable, remarkable, but it was God, what God was doing in the midst of the bush that was remarkable. You see, he can take... Listen... God can take a thorny, old, dried-up, prickly briar bush and set it on fire for his glory, revealing his presence and his power, and nothing can put that fire out. You know what? It sort of reminds me of some things, doesn't it? Maybe you're like me, and maybe there's one time in our lives where we were a thorny, dried-up, prickly old briar bush too. Amen? And what happened? The Lord Jesus got a hold of our hearts and he set us on fire. And there is nothing that can put that fire out. Amen? Nothing. Friends, I pray that that's who we are. That we're on fire for the Lord Jesus Christ. That he, that which he did in the burning bush, is still doing in the lives of people who can change people that we think, you know what? There's no hope for those people. That's just a thorny old person. They're a prickly old person. They're people who dried up, dried out, and they just no good. But we'll find out, friends, that what happens is that God gets a hold of people, and he still saves to the uttermost, and he still does great and wonderful things in the lives of people. For his glory, for his purpose. That's what he did to the bush here. And that's what we need to know he can do still today. You see, friends, we can't know. Just as Moses did not know what was next for him, he hadn't seen the end of the movie. He didn't know what was next, but what he could know is that God was showing him something. God was showing him that he is holy, the awesome true God. 
There is no other. He was showing him that he is a gracious God who uses broken vessels, who is the God of second chances, that he is the God who is a compassionate God whose purpose is to to deliver his people from bondage and to the promised land. And so also that he is the God who is able to do what is remarkable and that he can even use dried up bushes if he wants to. I suspect Moses needed to see that, don't you think? Before he goes on this task that God's called him to. God is a God who knows. God is a God who shows. But thirdly, God goes. God goes. God goes before you. God goes before you. Do you think Moses had any inkling that morning when he got up to get himself together, to get his staff, to go out to the sheep and begin to herd them along the journey to the backside of the desert? Do you think he had any inkling that, wow, I think today I'll hear from God? I don't think so. I think it was just an ordinary day. He got up, went about his business as normal, had his breakfast, took the sheep, went, led them down the path, came to the backside desert, and there was God. I don't think he had a clue what God was going to do. But friends, here's the thing. God had a clue. God had a plan. And it involved Moses. God hadn't taken a 40-year nap. He has... He had been working in his life. He'd been working around, and he had gone before Moses. And right now, for Moses, was the right time for God to extend this call to Moses. In verse 10, it tells us this. Come now, therefore. This is the call. Come now, therefore, Moses, and I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. It was the time that God had chosen For him to use Moses now, these 40 years later, to be used of God in this time, in this place. God had a plan. God had worked before him. He went before him. He goes before us. And friends, listen, in your life, you need to be patient. God is at work. God is going before you. He's making the way. He's setting everything in order. And we need to understand something, that God's timing is always right. Amen? His timing's always right. And this is where Moses begins to protest and where Moses begins to doubt. In verse 11, Moses says to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? And so we see here that God doesn't give Moses any wiggle room here, does he? He said, well, he doesn't negotiate with Moses. Well, now that you mention Moses, you're right. Let's go with a plan B. That's not what happens. This is God's plan. You see, friends, it's not an option. God isn't asking Moses for advice, nor is he looking to have a committee meeting about this thing. It's God's plan. He has a plan. He's calling you, Moses, and he has gone before you, and he's made the way. It's time. But not only do we see that God goes before you, but then the second point is of this is that God goes with you. As Moses is protesting and has his doubts, the Lord says to him in verse 12, I will certainly be what? With you. I will certainly be with you. This is the God who is saying this, who is in this burning bush. 
This God who knows where he is, who knows who he is, who knows what is happening, the God who is holy, who is gracious, who is compassionate and able, this is the God who says, I am going with you. I think Moses liked that, don't you? Amen? And friends, I don't know about you, but I like that too, to know that God's with me. I am with you. God answers Moses' doubts by saying, I will certainly be with you. You see, what the Lord was saying to Moses is this. Moses, this is not about who you are, but who I am. And I will be with you, and that is enough. Amen? To know that the Lord is with us, friends, as he has called us to the task, that is enough. Moses says, okay, God, okay, 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 but when they ask, who are you, who am I to say that this is? And he says, I am who I am. What does that mean? Well, the Lord is saying, I am the eternal one. I am the self-existent one. I am the unchangeable God, and I am with you. And I am with you now, and now, and now, and now, and now. He's always with us, amen? I am who I am. I am with you always and forever. He is the God who is with us. He goes before us with the plan, putting things in order. His timing is right. He's the one who goes with us. But also we see this third sub-point, and the one God is the one who goes behind you. Before you, with you, behind you. Look at verse 12 again, last part of 12. He says, this, will be a, this shall be a sign to you that I have sent you. And when you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. What is God saying to Moses? He said, Moses, you step out on faith. And as you walk by faith, you will have the confirmation behind you. Once you walk through, once you move forward, once you follow through in faith, then here's the sign to look for, that I'm going to bring you to this mountain to worship. You see, friends, this word from God to Moses is an unfailing promise. He's saying, I am not going to let you down, and I will confirm it on the backside of you walking through in faith. And you know what, friends? God does that oftentimes, doesn't he? Sometimes we may not understand everything. We may not know what's right around the corner. But we believe by faith that this is what God is going to do and what he is leading us to do. And so we follow through in faith. And as we follow through, he confirms that as we walk through in faith on the backside of it. Because God comes behind us as well. Amen? He comes behind us. He comes before. He goes before us. He goes with us. He goes behind us. What an awesome God we serve, who is revealing himself to Moses just as he reveals himself to us as he calls us out to different tasks to do different things to serve him for his purpose and his glory. So what are you to do? Three things to do here. To do. The first thing is to bow. To bow in his presence. To bow in the presence of holy God. To be holy as he is holy. As we bow before him, friends, we need to understand that we are to bow before him because he is holy. And the only way we can come into his presence is through Jesus Christ who makes us holy. We're only made holy through Jesus Christ. The Bible tells us to be holy as he is holy. Well, that only happens when you invite Jesus to be the Lord and Savior of your life. 
That's the only way that you'll be holy enough to enter into his presence. Your good works are not going to make you holy enough to enter into the presence of God. Your many Sundays at church are not going to make you holy enough to, make, to get into the presence of God. You could give billions of dollars to, to nonprofits, to charitable organizations, and to churches, but friends, that will not get you holy enough to get into the presence of God. There's only one thing that will happen that, that you need to happen in your life, and that is for Jesus to make you holy. And the way that happens, friends, is for you to invite him to be the Lord and Savior of your life, trusting that he died on the cross for you and rose again bodily from the dead. And as you do that, you have his holiness. He takes your sinfulness, and you receive his righteousness, the awesomeness of God. God allows it because he loves us and wants to be in a relationship with us. As we do that, that is a, we take a step of faith. Trusting Jesus to be the Lord of our lives. We acknowledge we're sinners in need of a Savior for all of sin and fall short of the glory of God. We turn from our sin and we turn to Jesus, which is repentance. Believing with all of our heart, embracing with all of our heart that Jesus is God's Son who died on the cross, who rose again bodily from us from the grave. And also, we profess Him as the Lord and Savior of our life. It's one step. It's a step of faith. Trusting Him to save us. Apart, listen, the holiness of God, we need to be reminded that apart from Jesus... It's dangerous. Do you hear that? Because of the holiness of God, we need to understand that apart from Jesus, it's dangerous. We need Jesus to make us holy in his sight. We bow, yielding our hearts and lives to him. Secondly, as God's people, what are we to do? After we've bowed, given our hearts to the Lord, we be available. Be available. You see, God has revealed that he knows where you are, who you are, and what's happening. God has revealed he shows his holiness, his grace, that he uses broken vessels, his compassion. He's out to deliver. He's in the saving business, and he has great ability. He has all ability. He's all-powerful. But also that he goes before us, with us, and behind us. And so we are to be available to whatever it is the Lord wants us to do. Throughout his scripture, he's told us things that we must do. You know, we must live for him, we must love him, we must uh, point people to him, there are things like that. But then there are times when God also gives us tasks, serving him in various capacities. Going to someone, going to that neighbor, working somehow in the church, working full-time vocation, ministry, missions, being available to whatever God's calling you. So what is it he's calling you to do? Maybe it's changing your your prayer life. Maybe it's digging deeper in the scripture. Maybe it's leading a Bible study. Maybe it's working in the nursery. Maybe it's working with our media and communications. Whatever it may be, what is it that God's leading you to do? Is it to someone, a neighbor down the street? Is it someone that you need to talk to about Jesus, a coworker, a friend at the store that you see every time you go in? What is it that God's calling you to do? Friends, whatever it is, be available to him because you have bowed before him and he is your God. And we are his people, so let's be available. Amen? You know, as, as, there's a book that I've been reading, and there's a, read, read some about what Moses did later in his life, and there's a prayer that he says that Moses prays, and I've picked that up, and I wanted to teach that to you today as well, which is a great thing for us as God's people to be praying, to be available to whatever it is God wants us to do. And here you see under that second point of to-do, these three things. The first one is teach me your ways. We're to pray, Lord, teach me your ways. Lord, I want what you want. 
I want to be about your business. I want to do your will. Whatever it is, Lord, that you want me to do, teach me. Teach me about who you are. Teach me your ways. That's what Moses was learning here at the burning bush. He's learning about who the Lord is and learning his will for his life as well. Teach me your ways. The second part of that prayer as we pray, Lord, teach me your ways is this. Guarantee to me your presence. Guarantee to me your presence. The Lord told Moses here, I will be with you. And friends, I don't know about you, but when God calls me to a task, or even as I just go out into the day, I want to know that God is with me. Amen? Lord, I want you to be with me. Show me that you are with me. Let me hear your voice. Guarantee to me your presence. Let me know that you're there. And then thirdly is this. Show me the revelation of your power and glory. Show me the revelation of your power and glory. Lord, as I'm available to you today and as as you use me, show me, Lord, what only you can do. Use me, Lord, in ways that only you can do. Because I want to do things that only you could do so that I don't get the glory, but that you get the glory. I want you to receive the glory in my life, in every area of our lives. So teach me your ways, guarantee me, guarantee to me your presence, and show me the revelation of your power and glory. I'm available. Use me, Lord. And then the third thing here, to bow, to be available, is to burn. What are you talking about, Pastor? To burn. Let me tell you what, friends. Listen. If God can use a dried-up, prickly briar bush and set it on fire so that he receives the purpose, sees the power and the glory and the honor for his purpose. I'm, if, I, if you're like me, I want to burn for his glory. Amen. And I want you, as, as, I, as well as I pray, Lord, there's an old song, set my soul afire. I want to burn hot for Jesus Christ. Burn for him. Let's pray. Father... We thank you for your glory and honor. We thank you, Lord, for being here with us. We pray that you'd help us to to be reminded of who you are as we are reminded in the burning bush passage here. We stand in awe of you that you're an awesome God, a mighty God, that you're calling us out to set us apart to be your people, your servants for your glory. Lord, we pray that we'd bow before you. If if people here don't know Jesus, that we'd give their hearts to you in complete surrender. Lord, in just a few moments as we sing our invitation, they'll come and Pastor Andy and myself would be glad to just pray with them to invite Jesus to be the Lord of their lives. But for those of us who are your children, Lord, that we would make that renewed commitment today that we would be available to you. Lord, that we would call out to you to just teach us your ways, to, to be with us, to, to be, with, be with us in your presence all the time. Guarantee your presence with us and show us what only you can do in and through us. And Lord, may we walk away today on fire for you, Lord Jesus. We confess, O Lord, that many times we are just like that thorny, prickly, dried-up bush. But you're able to use even us if you'll just set our soul afire. We're here, Lord, and we want to be your people. Guide us and direct us for your glory and honor. And may we use this time as a time of commitment as we come to this invitation for those who need to come and pray with Pastor Andrew and myself or pray silently.
Lord, that we would yield our hearts to you in complete surrender. But we praise you for what you're going to do in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.